0: We'd like to welcome listeners back to Globestream Podcasts. Lorenzo Sanatore is a member of the American Society of Cinematographers, ASC, and the Italian Association of Cinematographers, AIC. Just a few of his credits as cinematographer include Risen, 2016, Megan Levy, 2017, Hellboy, 2019, and The Outpost, 2019. We'd like to thank Millennium Media for connecting us to Lorenzo. Welcome, Lorenzo. Thank you, thank you, pleasure. So, have you always wanted to pursue a career in film and TV? Did you go to film school?
1: I did. Uh, I did go to film school, uh, but that was not my uh, that was not my uh, dream when I was young. I wanted I wanted to do something completely different, which was uh, was uh, uh, like every kid. I wanted to be an ambassador in different countries, travel and stuff like that. But then, uh, when I understand when my family, my father, understood that I wasn't really really uh, suited for studying and i wasn't bringing any result in studying at home then then uh, my father put me my father was a producer in the business and he put me in front of a choice so it says uh, you want to study become an ambassador like you, you think or or um, you want to be more on the ground and do something work in the cinema find a job in the cinema and i i at the time i wasn't really uh, i wasn't really interested in any job in the cinema i didn't have any passion uh, the only passion i had was photography i had a an icon camera that he gifted me and um and i was uh, i was uh, just passionate about photography and framing that was the only thing connecting connecting me to cinema and um, and uh, i said yes sure I'll, I'll i'll try it i'll see if i find some interest and uh, the goal was not to get not to go and study something more difficult abroad and staying <laughs> as, a, as a 16 17 years old kid staying close to the family staying close to the friends I didn't want to travel much. Uh, opposite of what I end up uh, doing, but um, and so I, I started film school with absolutely no uh, real interest. But then, uh, but then the photo, the cinematography, which is uh, what my father suggests me to do, really grabbed me on the first uh, two years of uh, film school. It grabbed me so much that I, I, uh, I just wanted to start working uh, as soon as possible in the business. And 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 basically, I didn't even finish film school. I one summer. I was, uh, I think, about seventeen, and and I got into working on a set uh, as a volunteer, and um, and it just uh, it just grabbed me from there. It was all all um, all working from there on in the camera department.
0: Okay, and so it sounds like over the course of your career thus far, you've worked with a variety of directors, including Rod Lurie, Kevin Reynolds, Neil Marshall. Could you share with listeners how each director approaches coverage on set, and also how collaborative they are with you in terms of shooting, choosing shot lists or choosing coverage? Oh, uh,
1: it, it, it's very, very different. Every every director has his own approach. And and that, that's, I think, is one of the uh, best quality of the cinematographers is, uh, is trying to absorb and trying to digest uh, what the director wants, and and trying to translate that into screen. So it's um, it's 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 always been uh, the the biggest challenge is to to get into the director's brain and to really uh, get into his vision. And every every time is different. Every director has a different approach, and it's uh, it's a uh, it's uh, it's, uh, it's a matter of being uh, as uh, as flexible and understanding as possible, but also then take them uh, with your hand and guide them to what is your um, taste and what is your experience and see if that if that connects. And I was lucky lucky enough that till now, I never had a bad collaboration. I always had great, great collaboration with every director I worked with.
0: Okay, and we can definitely explore that a little later if we have some time, yeah. but yeah. you've also worked with some great production designers on these movies where you've worked with the same directors. How involved do you get with the physical design of sets or costumes in service of the look of a particular film, say on a movie like Risen, where the historical accuracy can be important?
1: Yeah, I I think accuracy is really important when you when you uh, when you do an historical movie, it's really important. But it also uh, it needs to be balanced with the visual uh, look that you're going for, and sometimes sometimes accuracy it's fighting with the with the visual. Um, with, the, with an aesthetic uh, beauty or an aesthetic visualization that you have in mind and it and, and always works. So you always have to find the right balance between within what is accurate, but then what it works on screen. Because some, some, sometimes accuracy doesn't work on screen and it's not really necessarily pretty to put in front of camera. So that's when you have to kind of uh, collaborate with the, with the production designer and find a solution and, and and fortunately most of the production designers understand that role and they, they they know that yeah you need to be accurate but yet it needs to look good on camera it cannot be uh, at the, the bottom line is that most of those feature and 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 uh, and films that we're doing they're not really documentary so and that's and that's one of the phrase i always i always say in front of the monitor when i when i see something that is not good and and, and somebody comes and says and says to me yeah but this is how it used to be this is accurate. and I say, yeah, but we're not doing a documentary. We're doing a feature, so we have to give the audience something more. or We have to impress them a little bit. We have to we have to kind of select for them what was the best part of what it was accurate,
0: you know. And how early do you get involved with production designers? Do you go on location scouts, or does it depend on the movie?
1: It depends on the movie, but I, I try always to be involved from the very beginning uh, uh, as early as possible and scouting it's uh, so sometimes you get lucky like on reason I was very lucky we get to scout with the director we choose the location together with the production designer sometimes you get in and and the job is already done because you get in at the last moment so it, it really depends but but I I tend to always try to be uh, involved from uh, from the start, so because because the, the uh, choosing location and choosing sets, it's 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 really it's really half of the job. I mean, if you if you get a good, uh, what what I believe at the end is that if you get a good production designer, good collaboration with the production designer and with the costume designer and with the makeup designer, and you have a, a great ensemble between these four departments: photography, production design, costumes, and makeup. Uh, these are these are the f- uh, four heads of the department which are making the look of the movie and if you have a great collaboration with them your your job as a photo as a cinematographer it's it's more than half done so uh, it becomes um, so much easier when you're in, in in shooting if you have a good prep with these four departments you know
0: and on some of your movies, you've had to incorporate live action photography with some or many visual effects shots. How do you and your director coordinate these shots with visual effects houses? And does it tend to vary on the demands of the production? So do you get involved with the visual effects supervisor in these instances? Yeah, um, it,
1: it really depends on the project. It, it, it's um, it's, um, it's a matter of fact that sometimes uh, uh, if the budget is not uh, that big, the tendency is to fix it in, uh, in visual effects, and or to create more visual effects, and that's that's not always the best solution, I think. And um, a little bit, I I'm, I have a tendency to try to get as much as possible you can get in camera. Uh, uh, the more it gets in the lens and gets in the in the in the camera, it, it, the more it's realistic and the more it's believable. Um, there there are obviously some some circumstances like uh, on big effects movie like Hellboy or or other movies. Where you 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 need the, the the help of visual effects. Or there are other other um, situations, like for example in the apples where you need the help of visual effects just to create the right environment around you and and it's not that evident that it's a visual effects shop. And that, that's one that's when I like the most the visual effects, when you don't understand that it's a visual effects shop, and you can and you're able to blend it in and, and not feel it as a as a as a, a different a different um, Um, media,
0: almost, or a different environment, you know? And I've heard on Roger Deakins' podcast that some visual effects supervisors can step on the toes of cinematographers and try to do too much of their job if it's a visual effects heavy film. Have you, A, had that kind of experience, and B, what's your view in general on when it is a more visual effects heavy movie, how much the cinematographer should decide versus the visual effects supervisor?
1: Um, it, it obviously depends on the relationship with the visual effects supervisors. There are some visual effects. I work with some visual effects supervisor where I only to learn from them, and I and I and I respect them, and I really uh, enjoy working with them. And there are some which are, uh, are probably um, uh, relying too much on on on. On their uh, post um, uh, powers and 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 uh, and yes, they, there can be some friction. But in general, in general, because I have I had a lot of experience of, on visual effects from the very beginning on the very low budget movie I've done for the Sci-Fi Channel at the beginning of my career. They were mo- mostly visual effects, very very crappy visual effects. But because I had this uh, this crappy visual effects experience. That that um, always uh, steer me in the right direction on what not to do, which I think it sometimes, sometimes it's the best um, the best lesson to learn on a movie set is how not to do things and not uh, the way the things need to be done, you know. And uh, I had a, a lot of bad lesson in the past with a lot of bad visual effects, and this is where I'm always uh, uh, where my um feeling goes and my sensor says no, no, we're going back to what I was doing 20
0: years ago that's not it's not going to be right you know we have to do something different <laughs> and just sticking with the Team Deacons podcast for a moment what's your view on single versus multi-camera shooting for coverage so myself, mm. Roger Deakins has said he prefers single camera unless there's a stunt involved what's your view on that with your productions
1: well I generally I generally agree with him Uh I am I'm coming from Steadicam. I was a Steadicam operator. So what I like most in cinematography is the camera movement. And automatically the moment you start moving the camera and the camera starts moving from set to set following somebody in different areas it's automatically automatically you are on a one camera show. You you can't put the multiple cameras while you start moving because otherwise you limit the movie of uh, the movement of the camera. And uh, so that, that's my general Tendency. I know where where uh, Roger Dickens uh, come from and and uh, and why he says that. It's it's definitely that lighting and making an image beautiful for one camera. It's uh, it's uh, it's a must. It's uh, if you want to make the best image you can, you only use one camera because the moment you start using a, a second camera, you either compromise one of the two in terms of lighting or angle or lens choice or whatever it is. So I totally agree with him. Um, it is reality, though, that today is not, not every movie, not every show is shot in the same way. So you need to be able to adapt and to be able to shoot multiple cameras. I also enjoy a lot action, action uh, because I've done a lot of second units. And this is a, a part of my job that I, I, I really enjoy from time to time, like break from, from main unit to do some second units where you only shoot action and and um, it's incredibly fun to plan uh, to do a setup with uh, 20 or uh, 25 cameras sometimes because you're doing a big explosion or a big car chase with an explosion and you can only get it in one take and you have to plan 20 different angles in one in one take. And that's also very interesting and challenging at the same time. So I enjoy both sides of the um uh, it depends what it's needed for, you know. I I I, I find force sometimes to do uh, coverage of a scene, on a dialogue scene, and shoot and put five cameras on it with two people talking. That's a little bit forced. It's a little bit. Uh, I know it's very fashion, and a lot of uh, very famous directors are doing that. But that I think is a little bit over the top, and 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 you can you can concentrate and do better coverage on a, on a single camera or a, or, or a two camera
0: on a scene as opposed to put five cameras on it, you know. So we've mentioned three directors you've worked with so far, Rod Lurie, Kevin Reynolds, Neil Marshall, are any of them a stickler for single camera or do you find that they're more open to multi, multi-camera coverage?
1: Well, Rod uh, Rod uh, made a point uh, in doing the... Rod Lurie did, did made a point in, uh, in shooting the, the outpost as a single um, shot. I mean, every every scene in the movie was a single shot, except for some scenes which were broken up by inserts or something like that. But we shot the entire movie as a single camera, as a single... We had a big camera crew, but the big camera crew was sent every day out in the woods to do inserts or to do uh, just uh, sh- separate action shots. Uh, so we we, we shot the entire, the entire movie as a single camera. And what I like a lot or enjoy a lot there was planning those long, long takes. Uh, we, we had takes sometimes like three, four minutes of action. Going in and out of barracks and uh, and following uh, the soldier inside the hammers and and uh, and stick with them a little bit and then come out with them again. All this was like uh, it gave the 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 whole the whole feeling of the story a much more um, a much more uh, uh, realistic um, feel, which I which I thought I was brought in a lot by the camera and the camera work. So it, 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 I really enjoyed that and. Um, uh, but also, for example, Kevin Reynolds likes a lot um, to do uh, long takes and long scenes in one shots. And, and but, but obviously, the movie that we did was a little bit more um, classic cover, and uh, and um, and it was um,
0: the, the story needed a little bit more cuts to be told, you know. So and I enjoy. it. Yeah. speaking with lighting, um, do you tend to use the same key grips uh, gaffers throughout your career, or do you change depending on the country you're in?
1: I, I I tend to bring the when I'm in Europe I tend to bring it's very difficult to bring your own people when you're shooting in the States I've shot a few shows in the States and and uh, it's always you have to use local uh, the union is very strong doesn't allow anybody to put in so but when I'm in Europe I always tend to uh, always uh, push to bring my own uh, gaffer especially and uh, key grip and uh, and as well the camera operator and maybe the first AC. And the DAT. This these are like the the, 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 the core of the crew. I, I, I really believe that that um, a good looking movie it doesn't come out only because of the main head or the director or who, who is driving the ship. You need to have a good crew behind you, you know. It's like uh, and I'm and I'm trying to work with uh, with the same people from from at least 10 years.
0: Okay. And just drilling in a bit into the DI process, what's your views on digital intermediates and, you know, 2K versus 4K? And of course, each movie for you is different, but the other DI process has changed, of course, over the years, but do you still get involved with the DI? Are you still getting involved with the lab? Do you leave that more to your post-production team, your editor?
1: I, I do get a lot involved in the in the um, in the lab while we're capturing. I, again, I'm I'm collaborating with the same DIT since uh, the last five movies, and I I really find him really um, um, really important in the in the processing of dailies. For me, dailies are very important. I want the dailies to look uh, uh, already. Uh, I would say already 80 percent of what the final movie will look like and um and i managed this thanks to him on the last uh, few projects so i i am sticking with that system i i'm not doing a lot of uh, a lot of uh, correction on set but i'm 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 creating with him a, a few different lots that we uh, bring throughout the uh, process in, in in that way we get in that way we get those dailies which are really really close to what is our um, final intention and then and that makes and that makes the whole process after all the DI much simpler because I go there um, obviously enjoying a lot of the DI process with the colorist and uh, but I go there already with a good base behind and I say this this was my intention but at the same time I'm ready to see and I'm open to see different options by uh, proposed by the colorist which uh, which sometimes are even better than what I was thinking on set and I'm all open to that and and um, and um, ready to, to, to change if necessary.
0: And just to get your views on exploring the DI process a bit more recently on a podcast, Matthew Libertique mentioned that he had some issues either with Cowboy versus Aliens or another of his movies where the studio wanted a certain DI process and he felt as a cinematographer there was a certain integrity he wanted with his DI. Have you had any experiences where the studio has asked you to push a certain look in the lab or gotten very involved as a micromanager and you've wanted... To preserve the integrity of your image or your director's image.
1: Um, at the moment, uh, uh, I yeah probably on 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 a Hellboy, I had a little bit of um, the the movie was pushed in a direction. During post, the movie was pu- pushed in a direction which I wasn't expecting, and it became much more um, fantasy, much more. So we had to kind of change our um our entire system of uh, uh ba- ba- this is a little bit more technical goes into technical but uh, we had to change from a, um, a standard rec 709 uh, based project to uh, an aces because they wanted to pump in a lot more colors and and uh and that was a little bit of a, a struggle in terms of that we were not ready because we haven't shot that way on set so there was a little bit of change during the process of it but overall i enjoy um the um, change the change of director of direction that wasn't the issue i it, it was more on a technical uh, point of view but but i enjoyed the i enjoyed the, the artistic change and i enjoyed the, the the look at the end that came out with and i had actually a very good time with the with uh, adam glassman which was the colorist on my oh boy he he is really fantastic and he's uh, one of the top colorists in london and it brought so much to the movie in fact i I, I just finished uh, uh, a project uh, uh, for Disney and uh, and I uh, I recommended him to be the colorist and uh, we finally got him and he's on board uh, to work with us on this new project.
0: Okay, and I have a question from Zef Kotta, our colleague in yeah. podcasting. He wanted to ask if you have any cinematographers you admire among your peers or past and present. Could be Gordon Willis, could be a present-day cinematographer, could be... Uh, yes, yeah. Alavendros, but uh, working today, not yeah. working today.
1: What's your yeah. name, you have, Lorenzo? <laughs> uh, the the I have two cinematographers I admire the most. Uh, one of them uh, I never worked with, and I just admired from from uh, the movie he's done. And uh, uh, he's Roger Pratt, and he's um, a British cinematographer. He's done all the all the um, early. Um, 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 he, he's done. Um, Oh my God, I have a, a moment. You can to refer pre- to IMDb. Yeah, I think so. Um, I have a, 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 just a brain stuck, one second. Uh, but uh, Roger Pratt did, uh, for example, the first Batman. Okay, um, the, the 1980
0: Tim Burton you were
1: referring to? Yeah, the Tim Burton one. Okay. Uh, and he did uh, the, um, uh, the Fisher King, which was, uh, who directed the Fisher King? That's where I'm stuck, uh, Terry Gilliam. So, Roger Pratt, yeah, Roger Pratt was uh, one of Teddy Gilliam's uh, first directors. He did the, the Fisher King, he did Brazil, and uh, he did uh, also um, uh, the Tim Burton first Batman. He, he is a, a fantastic cinematographer. I think he's still alive. Not sure if he still works, uh, but an incredible cinematographer. And then and then the other um uh the other cinematographer which i admire and i, I actually work with a, uh, a few times is dante spinotti he's a he's a famous uh, italian longtime michael man
0: cinematographer yes
1: he was a long time michael man cinematographer i never had the chance to work with him and michael Mann together because i started working with him collaborating with him later on but he's a He's really a mentor for me. I, I He sponsored my um, entry in the AIC. I admire his uh, craft and, uh, and I admire him as a person, as a human being. He's a lovely guy and he
0: teaches me so much. And also, of course, a fellow AIC member along with yourself. Yes. A long-time yes. Italian yes. cinematographer. Yes. And uh, speaking of other uh, so-called jobs on, on set, are there any uh, directors you've not worked with yet who you'd like to...
1: Oh, there's so many. Uh, I wouldn't know where to start with. Uh, yeah, there are. There are um, for sure. But uh, uh, in general, I'm I'm really happy with the experience I had with the actors I work with, and I try to um, keep in relationship with them because I I think it's really. Um, I, I really like to uh, collaborate uh, with a director more than once because I think it's a growing. Um, I think it's a is a process that only gets better when you have when you enjoy the experience with one director. It only gets better after a few movies, you know, because then that's when you get uh, to know each other a lot and and um, to trust each other.
0: So to uh, your point, hopefully yourself, or Rod, or Kevin, and Neil can work again on a second, like Dante did with Michael for many years. Oh, ago. for sure, for sure. Keep, yes. keep them coming. And just to close, do you have any advice for someone who may want to follow your path and become a cinematographer? What do you think are, are some good steps? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. It's a
1: it's a watch a lot of movies. I mean, the, the 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 cinematography and 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 the taste in cinematography is something that is changing and evolving. And and now more than ever with the streaming and all the all the quantity. And really high quality of products that are coming out uh, every day. It's uh, the 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 best advice is just watch, watch, and absorb, absorb. I I unfortunately I had this uh, I had this period when I was watching, watching, and absorbing, and I was um, uh, when I was very young, and it wasn't much available at the time. We have to to find movies, you had to go to the store down at the home and and get VHS and and. And play that VHS again and again until you absorb it. And today, the, the access to to new content and to good content is incredible. It's uh, so easy for somebody. So that that's the only advice is just to watch and and uh, and absorb. Because then at the end, I remember uh, that uh, yes, I do always bring my my creative input and my my tasting stuff. But always, I I can always make a link in my mind. Uh, on a, on a shot that I'm doing, I can always make a link with something that I've watched for, from the past, from some great cinematographer, from some great director. Uh, there's always um, that, that uh, visual link that, you know, you I've seen this before in my head and it
0: was from that. But uh, So the important is to watch, watch. And speaking of that, are there any scenes from movies that you go back to maybe to check out how the lighting is done, three-point lighting, or just the coverage, or any movies that inspire you. You watch maybe before a before a new production.
1: Uh, yeah, it depends. It depends on the mood of the production of the new production. But I always go back to the classic in general. I I, I like to go back to to old movies, um, even even. Um, Sometimes uh, movies from the 70s and uh, 80s, uh, um, both from the American side, from the Italian side, I have a lot of uh, great movies in Italy in the 70s and 80s, and I, I I like to go back to the past and then apply that that kind of past look with a new fresh look. This is what I this is what I like the most.
0: Well, Lorenzo, we'd like to thank you for your time on the podcast. Thank you.